going on? I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Welcome to Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Dr. Alicia. We are doing audio today. I hope you guys are doing well. How are you doing today, babe? Man, let me tell you, I'm so tired. Today is the first day of my boot camp, and oh. it killed me out there today. <laughs> How did I torture myself? But we were up early exercising this morning, so... That's how yeah. I am. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I got up with you. Yeah, we got up at 4.30 this morning and uh, or 4.20. It was tough to uh, get out of bed that early. I, I ain't going to lie. That was that was brutal. But uh, but we made it. We made it. Now we're here. So uh, you were you were pretty pumped up about this whole Cat Williams thing. You really felt like this interview he did with Shannon Sharp was uh, was just kind of the juice and uh and in fact it, it was it was so heavy that it's just one of those things where to get ready for this pillow talk i i i sat there and had and forced myself to go through three hours of this interview uh which which was uh really interesting did anybody give give me a yes in the chat first of all give me a yes if you can hear us let us know let us know you can hear us okay uh so we need a quick yes also hit that thumbs up button if you could please hit the thumbs up button and uh also give me a yes if you got a chance to see this interview with Cat Williams and Shannon Sharp. Uh, babe, what got you so excited about this, this conversation? Okay, wait. So, look, we got to set the stage first because I think people need to know about the dynamic of this pillow talk that we're going to have today because Cat Williams has been the subject of a conversation between me and you like right when we first started dating. And I was having conversations with you about just about everything that Cat Williams talked about on this show. Don't you remember the good old days back then when we were when we were having conversations name, about Cat Williams? Name, go, go ahead. Sorry. And, that, and it's funny because like we know that Cat Williams in the public has gone through a lot of controversy. But and it's interesting because when I see people who go through a lot of controversy, I listen to what they say and how they respond to it. And I remember him staying, saying, um, staying steadfast that he was innocent. He was like, I don't have a substance abuse issue. There's nothing going on. There's like, they're trying to keep me from my children there. This is important to me. Like, I remember him kind of calling people out a very, very years and years ago. And I remember walking away from listening to Cat Williams thinking he's very lucent. He's not crazy. I don't get that he's an alcoholic. Um, and I think that he has been on the receiving end of a lot of hate from a lot of people, from the media and from what people think about him. When you think about Cat Williams, you think about somebody who's kind of crazy and an alcoholic and in jail and all of these things. And it just feels so good to see somebody set the record straight. He's like, listen, I do not have a substance abuse issue. I am not crazy. And clearly he was very lucent. So um, I just applaud to Cat Williams. And I'm also applauding myself, boys, because I was able to kind of read people and to see how he was maneuvering and I got from what I saw from him that he really wasn't crazy like everybody painted him out to be. So it's my own kind of skills that I want to applaud because I wanted to say, Boyce, I told you so. I told you he wasn't crazy. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I'm going to tell you this. I, I did a poll um, 
I'm going to tell you like this. I think that there are some people who are undecided. Um, I, the interview was really interesting, by the way. I mean, it was one of the, one of the great interviews out, you know, that I've seen of all time. And uh, shout out to Shannon Sharp for uh, for pulling off, you know, just an extraordinary conversation that was definitely uh, it, it was a conversation that sparked a lot of other conversations. Uh, so that's the first thing I want to say. But then second of all, I'm going to say, I don't know. I think the jury's still out a little bit in terms of how people are responding to Cat. Um, I think everybody was happy to hear from him. Uh, he's clearly a genius. I mean, just so smart. And 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 God bless him you know, on that. Uh, but I, I did a poll today on my Twitter. My Twitter is Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Bo- Dr. Boyce Watkins in the number one. And I literally asked on Twitter, I said, uh, you know, do you think that Cat Williams is uh, is a, a truth teller? Uh, do you think he's just jealous or are you not sure? And 72 percent of you said he's a truth teller. So uh, th- about three fourths of you are are just really feeling the energy, the vibe. And I'm going to play some clips so we can kind of hear this. Uh, about 7.2 percent of you said he's jealous uh, that he's attacking other comedians because he's trying to upgrade his own profile Maybe he feels that he should have gotten more opportunities and he, you know, didn't, you know, get what he deserved. And then 20.20% of you, one in five of you said, you're still not sure. You're still trying to figure out, okay, what, what's really going on here? What, what's the purpose here? Because I mean, Cat Williams went after everybody, everybody. And, uh, and I, I, you know, so, so I'd like to ask you this, baby, do you think that there's a way that Cat could have uh, expressed himself without just sort of burning the building down the way that he did? Or do you think that that was just a necessary part of the process? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's interesting because I did did not see him attacking comedians. Honestly, I think the most of most of what he talked about was he was actually applauding a lot of comedians. He talked about how he helps all these comedians out. He was basically talking to Shannon Sharp because apparently Shannon Sharp interviewed all these other comedians that spoke about Cat Williams. And I think what Cat Williams was saying was, you know, some of the things that those people said was inaccurate and he was setting the record straight. He was saying, hold on, that is not what happened. Here's my story about what happened. So if you have somebody, and Boyce, you've had this issue too. You have people going public, saying things about you that you feel like is not true. So you want to be able to tell your side of the story. And I'm really happy that Shannon Sharp opened up his platform for Cat Williams to come in. And it seems like Cat Williams, it was he didn't have to think about anything. That's how you know when somebody's really telling the truth. Somebody who's lying, they have to practice the lie. Like the way he talked and the way he expressed himself, it actually made sense. There was nothing confusing about what he talked about. So I don't see it where he was tearing anybody down to build himself up. That wasn't what he was saying. And actually he addressed that. He said, listen, I'm not tearing anybody down at all. And I'm definitely not building myself up. Let's let the track record show what it is just let let and you know i've been in that position where you just say you know what you don't have to like me but like the work that i do respect the work that i do and let the work speaks for itself it's not a personal thing he's like i can't tell you that cedric the entertainer is not funny all i can tell you is that what did the audience say about cedric like He was kind of like, it's not going to, it's not my place to judge whether these people are funny or not. 
what are the outcomes? What are the receipts? And he came with receipts. Okay. So, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. And, uh, and then also let's, uh, I'm going to share some clips. Do me a favor, please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, you're watching Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is my wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. And uh, and we tend to talk about issues in the black community and try to elevate the conversation. Uh, I really think in terms of um, with you being a relationship expert, um, I'd like to I'm going to get your insights into just just managing relationships and, and how much this might have played a part. And, you know, in, in what's kind of happened here. And then also uh, I'm a financial guy. So I'm going to talk about some of the financial side of of just Hollywood. Right. Hollyweird and just, uh, you know, some of the trade offs that have to be made. And because uh, there was a point in the, in the conversation, babe, where Kat described himself as one of the wealthiest men in the world. And he said something uh, very profound. He's a very smart guy. He said, don't look at my bank account. And, uh, you know, and I and I, I said oh, that I like that because he understands what wealth is. Right. So. So in Kat's world, it seems to me that what's really going on here is when I look at him and I compare him to other comedians that that people do like. These are not comedians that people hate. Right? That's the other thing, too. I, I think we, we want to be clear, like if he disses Steve Harvey or Ricky Smiley or Cedric the Entertainer, uh, he can't say that they're not successful on some level. He can't say that they're not funny because there are millions of people who think these individuals are very funny. Uh, and uh, but 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 one thing I liked about Kat's conversation was he expressed another type of currency that I think in our community we should remember and value, which is the value of freedom. You know, the value of being able to really truly be who you want to be, uh, not having to bend over in Hollywood in literally, like literally, like literally now, now we're starting to see all the receipts, you know, um, and, and you can I, I feel free to chime in on this, babe. But I remember he talked he talked about Diddy and he said Diddy likes to party. And y'all know what he was insinuating. He was, he was insinuating that he didn't get certain opportunities because he wasn't ready to get in well, the game. Well, he said he's still a virgin. What do you call it? Yeah, a he said he, 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 he referenced his virgin hole. Yeah, he said something about <laughs> I, I'm protecting my virgin hole. And he said, because Diddy likes to party. Now, what is what that is he really about? saying, boys? What is he well, really well, you saying? Know he's saying, saying you, you know, you know no, what he's saying. What he's really saying is that I have been able to maneuver my way in a very toxic industry and kept my integrity. He's that's what he's saying. He's yeah. saying that he was able to keep his integrity. He said he came into the game knowing that certain sacrifices were need to be made. And he made up his mind before he got into the game, what he was willing to sacrifice and bend on and what he was not willing to do. And he stood by those morals. And, and that's what makes me really be a big time uh, Cat Williams fan. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you, you say that, right? Because, you know, I think now with what's going on with Diddy, there are more conversations being had about the uncomfortable and horrible trade-offs people have had to make in order to be successful in Hollywood, right? Like the thing that many of us as black people grow up desiring, we want that fame, we want that fortune, we want that money. There, there's a price that it, it sounds like that's being paid that's higher than that, that's literally forcing you to give up things that money can't buy. And uh, in this week, in fact, on another pillow talk, you and I were talking about, uh, Demond, I can't remember his last name, but from Sanford and Son, uh, he played the son on Sanford and Son, and he was—he literally flat out said that there were certain spaces he could not go because he was not what, as he referred to as a bend over Billy, 
Yeah. And he and he said, well, what the guy said, well, what do you mean? He said, you know what I mean? He said, you name your biggest actors, your biggest entertainers, your biggest celebrities. He said all all of them. He said he said, wait, wait. He said all of them. He said all of them. Yeah. All of them. And I was like, all of them. And and, and I just I, I think that that is um, I mean, if that is even remotely true, that's very, very scary. Right. Uh, you know, and and I think that now that we live in this age of truth, as Cat Williams likes to refer to it as, it seems. Uh, Demond Wilson, thank you, Doctor Vibe. I appreciate it. he gave Doctor Vibe gave me. See, Doctor Vibe's always ready. He's always prepared. He's a real journalist. I, I'm not a real <laughs> journalist. I just I just play one on YouTube. But um, anyway, you know, but but he but but literally, I, I when I when I heard Cat's interview, and I heard him talking about you know uh, Martin Lawrence. He said Martin Lawrence tried to put me in the dress. And uh, mm-hmm. and all these other things, it, it speaks to this crazy agenda and and what they're doing to black men in Hollywood in L.A. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, well, you know, first of all, I I just want to say that what black people have to go through to survive in this world that hates us, and I'm sitting here saying I can't believe they did that for that, you know, to get money and to. And to get fame, I can't believe they would do that. Well, no one's ever asked me to do that. No one's ever set me at a table and had a really hard conversation about, hey, Dr. Alicia, we will give you millions and millions of dollars for 15 minutes of uncomfortable situation. (laughs) And I, I mean, that's a hell of a thing to really think about. Like, wow, okay, so... I went through a lot to get a a PhD. I've had, I've sat at very difficult tables and trying to get my PhD and I got it. So I was able to swallow my pride because when I really wanted to like cuss everybody out in that room, I couldn't do that to my dissertation committee because they would have been like this lady crazy and send me back home. But so there are things that you have to kind of like suck it up maybe literally, maybe figuratively have to suck it up. So I feel sorry for people who sit at these tables. There's a plethora of talent, boys. You know, we've had these conversations before in actual pillow talk. There's a plethora Mm -hmm. of talent. What's going to separate your talent or lack thereof between everybody else? There's got to be something. If people are holding the keys to your success in millions of dollars, just think about 15 minutes of losing your virginity in that particular hole, 15 minutes, because it probably (laughs) don't take that long. That is the key to having millions and millions of dollars for not only you, but for generations to come. I just want us to not sit back and judge. Think about the hard decision that you would make if you were at those very uncomfortable table. I can't tell you I don't know what I would do, honestly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've done, I've done less, you know what I mean? For I've sacrificed, not in that particular way, but there's sacrifices we all have to make. And this is what happens to get into Hollywood. And there's only so many movies that's going to come out every year. And I don't know. I just, I think that we should have some more compassion for these individuals who have, who were born with the ability to be talented and creative and how frustrating it is when you can't express yourself and you don't have a platform of which you can really make a huge impact. The type of psychological rationalization that happens in your head 
So you can say, you know what? It's worth it. I'm going to go to this Puff Daddy party, allegedly, and be uncomfortable for a little bit. And and then on the other side of it, I got 13 movies. <laughs> so mm. there you go. Wow. Well, you know what? I, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, well, let, let, let me play. Let me play a little clip from Kat. Uh, everybody hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. You're watching Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. And uh, also, uh, if you want to know more about what Alicia does, she's a licensed therapist and a full professor of social work. If you'd like to uh, see what she does with uh, her clients, uh, she sees individuals, families, couples, etc. Visit coachingwithdralicia.com. That's coachingwithdralicia.com. Also, do not forget this podcast is on Spotify. So if you like intelligent black conversations from black people who love each other uh just find my name boyce watkins on spotify and you can join us there so let me play a little clip uh from uh, this amazing interview between cat williams and shannon sharp and uh and then let's kind of assess this i i really think this is worth really doing a breakdown because there's so many interesting little gems in the conversation uh that that are are, are worth our time so here's uh of one clip i grabbed off the interview here we go. i consistently used it i told people all across the country don't worry this will be legal in our country as soon as they find out how to charge taxes for it we will be legal in this country do they view me as some sort of visionary for my forward thinking no no you own drugs <laughs> what i heard <laughs> Cat, but how have you been? I mean, bro, every time they try to put you down, they try to put you to the back. Yeah. You put you bounce up, you move right back to the front. Damn, you I mean, you like a Super Bowl. Okay. So so it sounds to me when I heard that clip, babe, I was thinking about the fact that there's long been that story of Cat Williams being on drugs. And uh, and I'm gonna tell you the truth, you know. I mean, there was the the way they presented the media was very compelling, but but I admit I I guess I, I would owe him an apology because I was really shocked when he said, I don't touch drugs. I mean, I had so much respect for him when he said that, too, because I've always said that drugs are the worst thing to ever happen to the black community. Drugs have destroyed families. When they put that crack cocaine in the black community, that literally took $10 trillion in economic wealth out of the black community because it destroyed our families so bad. So for Kat to come out and say, um, you know, I was scared straight because I spent time uh, homeless and I talked to homeless people who were on drugs. He said, I never heard a person uh, say that cocaine did something wonderful for me. I've never heard a person say that meth made my life better. And that scared me straight that I, re I related to that yeah. because that was my experience. You know, my father, both of my fathers, you know, this both of my fathers were drug addicts. One of them I never knew. The other one raised me. He walked away from heroin. And he would scare me straight. He would show me homeless people and, and people that were on dope. And I and I just said, I don't want to be like that. So when I heard that from Kat, I really related to that. So I was impressed and I was also surprised. And I was also, but I was pleasantly surprised. And I also felt like I, I said, man, I, I should apologize to you because the media really pushed this drug narrative on Cat mm -hmm. Williams for a long time. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I think what's so interesting is that Cat Williams is putting it all out there because he's thinking, I have a mission that's bigger than me. He said, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell the truth and it's bigger than me. And I think what's also interesting is his relationship with Prince. And both of them grew up with Jehovah Witness background. I don't know if that has anything mm, um, interesting. If it's related to anything, but both of them 
grew up in this sort of, I don't know, it sounds like it may have been a little oppressive for both of them. I'm not certain. I know wonderful Jehovah Witnesses, but I know there's some parts of that religion that people children who grow up in that sometimes they come out of that and they don't have really wonderful stories. I'll just say that much. So I think that them growing up with that, they had sort of a connection with each other. And the fact that Prince was also a truth teller, he was also one of the good ones that stood up and spoke out and talked about the problems in the music industry. And now Cat Williams is talking about the problems in the film industry. I think both of them were on an accord and that they both feel had this, well, Prince had and Cat Williams has this conviction to stand by their morals, even if they have to turn money down. Because like you say, boys, all money ain't good money. And he's like, I don't want to have to lose who I am in order to um, become famous because I'm serving a purpose that's bigger than me. And Prince talked about that a lot. A lot. Well, you, well, you know, I mean, and, and it makes perfect sense, right? Like, you know, one of the, <clears throat> one of the things I never understood is, it, you know, because I'm I'm a finance guy. Like, I, you know, money is my thing. Like, cat for the way cat is with comedy, I am with money. You know, and one of the things I've never understood is why we never learned the the meaning of the word enough. You know, like, okay, I got enough money. You know, yeah, when I was broke, I was willing to uh, sacrifice heavily to make money, but now I got a few million in the bank. I got enough. I don't I'm not going to keep on bending over uh, to get more of this money. Uh, and and I and I, I I think Prince and Kat, you know, which to me is a reflection of their high intelligence levels. Yeah. Understand that very clearly. They understand like, look, you can you can be a millionaire and not sell your soul. You can be. But but some people, you know, money will either liberate you or money can make you a slave. And we got a whole lot of 40, 50 million dollar slaves in the black community. We have a whole lot of people that have you know that have made a hundred million dollars and still are doing unspeakable things in order to make money and it doesn't make any sense to me because it tells me nobody ever taught you uh the meaning of the word enough or in economics to to, to use a fancy word that, that that everybody can add to their vocabulary it's a word uh satiation we we spent a lot of time in economics studying the word satiation meaning satiation basically means you've had enough you're full you're yeah. satiated you know, like like when you sit down and you eat, when you're hungry, you're, you're, every bite is delicious. You're super excited to be eating. Eating is the most important thing in the world. You might even beat somebody up in order to get a plate of food. But after you've taken a few bites, you start to become satiated. And then you get to the point where you are full. You say, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to push the plate away. Capitalism doesn't teach you to be satiated. Capitalism teaches you to keep eating, keep going, keep eating, keep going, keep eating, keep going. And that yes. is greed. That turns into gluttony. Gluttony, uh, to me, gluttony should be called slutney because when you become yes. and greedy and overbearing and you got to make another dollar no matter what, well, guess what? You're going to keep sacrificing your soul till there is none, till you have no soul left. And uh, and I'm going to play a clip before I, I get your comment on it, babe. I'm going to play this clip where Kat is talking about Prince. Uh, because I think that that's important to acknowledge the friendship. So here we go. I hope I'm hitting the right clip. Smokey, Smokey was all in for Smokey. There ain't no Friday without Smokey. No, I got that wrong. Wrong clip. Wrong <laughs> clip. <laughs> I'll try to find the one on Prince if I can get it right. Uh, but go ahead. Give me give me your thoughts on what yeah. I just said. And as I dig, see if I can dig up this um, this clip of Cat, Cat Williams and Prince. Yeah, you know what? I learned a lot from what Cat Williams said. Um he and Prince are so similar in a lot of different ways because 
when Cat Williams and Prince, when they feel like they've had enough food, not only do they say, I don't want any more money, but they were able to take the leftover food, so to speak, and they were able to give it to charity. And that's something that Cat Williams has as said that he's done. And that is something that Prince has always done. Every time Prince had a concert in a major city, a portion of his income that he got from selling out those arenas, he always gave it to the um, homeless shelters. He always gave it to the needy. And this was something that Prince did a lot. He never talked about it, but he did this a lot. And it seems like Cat Williams and Prince must have been together on this whole concept because Cat Williams has helped so many people out. And I think that's when success happens to you. True success is being able to take all of the things that you have been so fortunate to adhere, to gather, and to be able to take a portion of that and to be able to be giving in that way. And boys, you do that a lot too. And you don't boast, you know, and it's, it's something that is so inspiring. I mean, I think that you, Prince and Cat Williams are a one accord because I don't think people know this. I don't know if y'all know this, but Boyce is probably the most giving person you could ever imagine to the point where I'd be like, Boyce, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? But <laughs> deep down inside, I really love that about you, Boyce. I love how how empathetic you can be to other people who are in need. And you have been successful just as Cat Williams and Prince because you are willing to say, you know what? I'm not going to hog everything. I'm going to be able to take a portion of the amount of money that I have been so gifted to get from doing what I absolutely love. And I want to be able to take that and I want to be able to give back to the community. And you've done that in so many ways because I see it. I have firsthand, y'all, y'all don't know. I have a firsthand seat, a first place seat in all of Boyce's doings. And when I see him do, I see him give more than he receives, much more than he receives. So I think that's just really beautiful. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I will say this, couple of things I believe is number one, leadership is service. That's the first thing. A lot of people forget that. So they get very arrogant when they are blessed with an opportunity to lead or be influential or whatever. Um, I, I think that leader being the leader means you're supposed to sacrifice more than everyone else, not, not less. But then second of all, um, you know, it, it, I, I think as a community, as black men, it's extremely important that we understand the double bottom line. You know, your goal is to, uh, to liberate yourself and liberate others. You know, not to sort of smooth up with people that that hate you and people that hate your community and and want to do harm to you. You know, so uh, so I like one thing I do, I do. I will say I like about Cat is I like the fact that this man seems to be doing well. He, he's got this. He said hundred city tour, which sounds absolutely exhausting. Uh, it tells me he's a hardworking comedian, and it doesn't. Sa it sounds like he can. He he's okay with not being super mainstream. Because he's it's like it's almost like he's the real deal. You know, it's like it's like it's like almost like when you go to restaurants and you got those restaurants that are the fancy ones that everybody goes to and everybody knows about. But then you have that soul food place that is in the hood that isn't well funded. But the food is like 100 times better than any restaurant in the city. I feel like Cat kind of represents that. Right. Like you, like, you know, when you hear him as a comedian, you're going to get something real and authentic and powerful and, and hilarious. And that is a refreshing change from the buffoonery that we see. You know, like there's some comedians out there that just never made me laugh. I never laughed at Tracy Morgan. Uh, we know Tracy Morgan 
Tracy Morgan, he 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 makes me feel like the he's the comedian in my view. That I'm sorry, I can't even bring up Tracy Morgan, but just Tracy's one of those guys where I'm like, okay, you must have tickled somebody's balls in order for you to get on TV because you're not, he was never funny to me. Yeah, right? you know, I don't know if people know this, but I don't, boys, you don't like hardly any comedian. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I, I tell you what, I like the, I like the smart ones. I like Cat. I like yes. I like Dave Chappelle. Um, I I never could get really into Martin Lawrence like that. Um, uh, Kevin Hart doesn't make me laugh much. I don't I don't dislike Kevin as much as Cat does, and we're gonna get to that. But let me play the little clip of Prince where he talks about yes. Prince. I, I finally found the right clip. Y'all know me. Y'all know me with technology. I missed it up. But before I play the clip, actually, could y'all do us a favor, please, and hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe, and also uh, just in case you uh, want to get. Um, uh wellness tips from dr alicia you can text the word wellness to 89748 text wellness to 89748 and dr alicia can send you some free things to help you with your uh your mindset your relationships uh she is a licensed therapist a certified trauma specialist and a full professor of social work so everybody text pull out your phone text the word wellness to 89748 give me a yes in the chat if it works just make sure the text word works and uh and alicia will send you some free stuff so here is a clip of cat talking about prince i hope i have the right clip let's cross our fingers here we go prince you met prince prince was a friend of mine he was a friend of mine what was those conversations because he's look i mean sometimes we don't really re understand or, or appreciate someone until they're gone i did i was a big prince fan all of this stuff <laughs> yeah. because he could play all the instruments he could sing he could he was an entertainer yeah that could sing and what he wrote i mean who thinks of cherry moons who thinks it snows in april who a raspberry beret or a, a, a pink cashmere the thing the purple rain the things that he wrote about well, like bro who who mind goes there Yeah, he was um he was like any unlike anybody in the world. Um he he, he was um he was just an amazing individual. I I was able to meet him when I was 12 and I knew him um my entire life through all of his changes. I was able to um assist him many times. If you go look at Prince's car collection, you'll see that Prince don't have not one car Cat Williams ain't got. He got the Prowler from Friday after next sitting there. He got the same Bentley as me, like because we share certain things. Our our connection was lyrics, musical lyrics, um, women, and cars, and that's those are the areas where he trusted uh, my opinion on things, and um, that's where I got to be helpful in his life, and he was helpful in mine in um, really all different types of ways, especially about the business as far as being a black man that was rich in this business at 18 years old, had already did his first million dollar contract, had already broken records, was determined that he didn't want to be like anybody else, was so great of a guitar player that black people just stopped caring about guitar and he got left out on a limb and somehow still had to create his way out of that. He was just really a, a, a one in a billion type person. I was lucky to know him. Now there are specials and the streaming. Um, I don't know. I don't think there's as many and there's no DVDs now. So where, so, so where are you on this, this streaming, the specials? I mean, obviously you, you still tour, but how much do you focus on? Okay. I'm a tour, say a hundred days or 150 days, but I'm going to do a special. 
Well, now that our relationship with Netflix is at the eight-figure mark. Um, eight? Okay, so so you know what, what's interesting? I was thinking about this, Alicia. Yeah. Um, remember when uh, Kat was making fun of Steve Harvey and saying that he talks like a country bumpkin? Oh, you know how I feel about Steve Harvey. <laughs> well, well, no, but here's the funny part, though. Shannon Sharp is a country bumpkin too. Like if you listen to Shannon Sharp, he got that Georgia in his voice. You know, you know. Well, well Kat, let me ask you about something, Cat. You know, like, and I don't like. I don't have a problem uh, with it. I, I kind of like. I don't have an issue with Shannon Sharp as much as I have an issue on listening to Steve Harvey's voice. <laughs> I, don't know what it I, I just is. wonder. I wonder how Shannon felt though. Yeah, to hear that. I, I think the country part is fine. I don't care because I'm, you know, my daddy's country and I'm, I'm kind of country. I'm from Kentucky, but yeah, but, but I'm, I'm from, I'm from Alabama, and so I understand. I was born in Alabama. I understand, but there's something about Steve Harvey's drool. It's I don't know what it is. It gets under my skin, but that's a personal thing, and that's not any a diss towards Steve Harvey or anything. He's doing his thing, you know. But personally, I can't stand to hear it. So, but that's just my that's my opinion. And I don't think he's as funny as Cat Williams. I'm more of a Cat Williams gal than a Steve Harvey person. And I think maybe it's because it's so it's got that religious you know, view. I don't know. I don't have no idea what it is that gets under my skin about um, Steve Harvey and his gang, but I respect what they do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, well, let, let me grab another clip here and I'm going to play this and mm -hmm. I'm, I want to get your assessment on, on this as well. Um, and uh, let me see here. Uh, okay. Here's one that's really interesting. This might, this is right up your alley. This is where he talks about his upbringing uh it was interesting to hear how mm -hmm. you know what cat went through as a kid here we go before it got to the point because the dynamic he's father your son before that dynamic and you step up on his level and you challenge him you felt it was best for you to leave no 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 i'm not being challenged i'm being beat to death oh he was abusive i didn't say that i said we were in an altercation oh uh <laughs> I see what you did there. I saw what you did there. I saw what you did there, Cat. Yeah. I saw what you did. You was in an altercation. You didn't say you lost. You said you was in an altercation. I in no way gave you the impression that I won anything. I'm the one leaving. I'm out of bounds. This is his house. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so as long as I'm going to be under his roof, you there are certain father. things that I'm going to have to do. Right. Hmm. So, so what you're hearing here, um, I'm picking up on babies that, you know, that, that there was some tough times for cat growing up. And, uh, and it seems to me that part of what shaped him was being on his own at the age of 13, uh, dealing with, uh, the challenges with his father. Uh, and, and, and that's happened in a lot of households. I remember that happening in mine, you know, where my father and I bumped heads, you know, because uh, it's hard to have two adult males under the same roof claiming the same territory, and and but this led him on this amazing journey that I think gave him the color of, you know, in, in terms of uh, just 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 the, to make him such an interesting person. Right. Uh, because Kat mentioned also in the interview, and I thought this was fascinating, where he talked about the fact that he doesn't you know, he didn't he said, I don't know how to play high school games because I didn't go to high school. Right. And 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 so what you're what I'm seeing here is you got a guy who doesn't really operate 
on anybody else's rules or code. He kind of he operates on his own code of ethics. Uh, he operates what he, what he might consider to be God's code. Whereas you you take guys like a Steve Harvey, a Ricky Smiley, Cedric the Entertainer, and no disrespect to them, but they got successful in Hollywood because Hollywood has rules. Hollywood has codes. Hollywood has a way of doing things. They have systems in place. And if you don't abide by those systems, then Ricky Smiley doesn't get a radio show. You know, Puffy doesn't become the head of Bad Boy Records. You don't, you don't, you don't see Cedric the Entertainer and Steve Harvey hosting TV shows. Steve doesn't get to do Family Feud if he's breaking Hollywood rules. So, do you think that this is what is kind of creating this weird friction there, almost like this crazy competition with these comedians, where Cat's kind of the guy that seems to really be poking away at a lot of these guys? Boys, I just want to talk about the fact that he said he was beat to death um, at the age of. 13. And as far as I'm concerned, when you are a child in a household, you're not an adult male. In no way are you an adult male. And in no way are you deserving to be beat to death by people who are supposed to love and culture, culture you and take care of you and make sure that you have everything that you ever need as a child in a home. So he did not come from a loving home and anybody who was in a situation where they were beaten like that, so much so that you could not stay in the same household as a parent who should be an adult and adults don't beat on little children. As far as I'm concerned, if you are a man, you have no right to put your hands on someone who's vulnerable, like a child. And I don't care if you're 13 or 12 or 16 or 10 or eight. I don't care how old you are. You do not, as a man, beat on a child. Cowards beat on children. So you know how I feel about this, boys. And I'm sorry. I wish I could go out of business. I wish I could go out of business and never see another client ever again, because we are all as human beings, healed individuals. But there's so many people that I see, not everybody, but a lot of people I see in my office who have been beaten as children and they live their entire life trying to sort through how their parents have totally effed them up. It's a sin and a shame, and there is no way you can rationalize beating a child. He said he was beat to death. And guess what? Fast forward, is he able to be in a loving relationship with a woman? Just the thought of him being intimate with another person made him really start to go off because he did talk about marriage. How are you going to trust another person as an adult? a woman, how are you going to be able to give yourself completely in an intimate relationship when you come from a house of abuse and neglect where it got so bad, you had to pack up your stuff at the age of 13 and walk out of that household, never to come back again. And you think that that's okay. That's never okay. And mm -hmm. so many people in our community, we need, really need to be healed from this. So no, as a therapist, I'm never going to listen to that. And I'm never going to think that, oh, that's a good thing that parent did. Mm. 
And I don't know who the mother was, but as a mother to sit back and to watch your child getting beaten up like that and not step in to protect that child, you're also complacent. I'm tired and I get it that adults, adult children of abuse and neglect, I get it that they look at their parents and they are not going to be able to really display hatred toward their parent for what they did to them. Hatred toward their fathers for beating up on them and then hatred toward their mothers too for not stepping in and protecting them. The very people who are supposed to be protecting you and loving you are the people who are causing you so much pain, trauma, and complex PTSD. That's what we have in our community, complex PTSD. It mm. makes it almost impossible for you to be in a loving relationship with a person when you're older. And guess what happens? So many of these people are lonely and sad and depressed. And guess what? A lot of men do. They bury themselves in their work. They become workaholics because if they ever decided they would stop working and sit and reflect on their life, they're scared about what would come up and come out. Mm -hmm. I think is enough is enough. And I'm very happy you brought up this topic. And okay. I think there's a lot of healing well, that needs to be done in our community. Okay, go ahead, boys. I'm sorry. I'm done. <laughs> no, I, 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 I see, I see you're very passionate about it. And I think that you, um, I, and that's, that's what I think, you know, makes you great at what you do. And, and by the way, um, you know, what, what Alicia's saying about the abuse in our community and the uh, neglect and everything else, uh, this can be treated. So feel free to go and take a look at her website um, if that's of interest to you, because, because this really is a conversation that needs to be had. Right. Like I, I know I had to. And, and you know, so, so with Cat Williams kind of talking about his challenge with his father, I completely get it. I had challenges with my father as well. And one thing that you mentioned that uh, that that was interesting to me was you talked about a man does not beat up on a child. Right. And and that is 100 percent true. And what I think is really interesting is that in a lot of households, though, it's not really a battle between a man and a child. It's a battle between a man and an adolescent boy. And an adolescent boy is not a grown man. Right. He's not a grown man for sure. But he ain't no child. You know, when that boy gets about 13, 14 years old, a lot of single mothers lose control of their sons about 13 years old because that's when puberty sets in. That's when he realizes he's got muscles and testosterone, hair on his chest. Um, he's 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 very aggressive at that point. And you see mothers. You and I talked recently about a mother who was murdered by her son. You, uh, I'm you know, going to her. I'm going to her um, wake today. I'm going to her viewing. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so this is a real thing, mm -hmm. right? So, so to just sort of, you know, not even to play devil's advocate to what you're saying, because I'm not trying to be the devil in this conversation because it's, it's too important, but to sort of give a perspective on that, sometimes these conflicts emerge between males because there's something about males where we sometimes we only respect strength physical strength we only respect you if you show you can whoop our ass it, it sounds crazy it's messed up it don't make no sense but uh if you go to a football camp 
you'll what you'll notice is that there are many situations where somebody will buck up on one of the coaches or whatever, and the coach has to stand up to that young man. And now, obviously, it doesn't have to end with any type of violence. Of course, we we know that that's not necessary. I, I think, like for example, I I would not spank my kids. We don't spank our kids, and and, and they again, then they were your children before they became mine. So, uh, and I know they have a father, and so I respect all of that. Uh, but I but even if it was my choice, I wouldn't repeat that same process because i do think that those spankings and whoopings that's too much that you don't have to do all that but i do think that there is something there with that cat said when he kind of in a way he talked about what his father did but he also had a, a level of understanding that i respect where he said it's his house and uh and and i'm trying to you know trying to run things up in another man's house well, we got to get our own space. And, and and I don't know if that's the universal experience. I don't know how many other people have had that experience, but I know me and my dad had that experience, you know, where he said, you can't be a man. You can't be running around. You know, if you remember the movie Baby Boy, the one scene that where Baby Boy got really pissed off at Ving Rhames' character was when he was in the kitchen butt naked drinking Kool-Aid. That's the kind of stuff men, males do when they're claiming territory. And you can't have two men in the same house butt naked drinking Kool-Aid in the kitchen because that's just not going to work. So ultimately, I think what Kat was referring to happens in a lot of households. Uh, I, I don't like it because it seemed like it severed the relationship. I don't like anything that ends with the 13-year-old out in the street. Uh, that's the that's the part that's toxic. That's the part that's unhealthy. That's the part we got to fix for sure. Um, and uh, and I think that it's it, it makes but it, but I think all these experiences really made Cat into the amazing man that he is. If he'd had a regular, straight, normal, mainstream experience, who knows? Maybe he'd just be another Steve Harvey, right? Listen, a child does not wake up one day, turn the age of 13 and start being, start acting out. It starts early. Children, all boys at the age of 13, you don't have to go through getting beaten to death. That's not necessary. It starts early on. And then eventually when the child becomes 13, they're like, I can't take it anymore. It's not like a one-off event. If the relationship with your children is faulty and they're and the children are not getting the love that they want inside their home, by the time they're 13, that's when they start acting out. But early on, there was problem. I guarantee you there were problems going on early on mm. because 13 is when you're like, I can't take it anymore. I'm begging my mama to help me out. I'm sitting here trying to plead with my parents to love me. These 13-year-old boys need love. They need somebody to give them a hug. They need somebody to sit down and listen to them. They need somebody to actually love them and guide them and teach them and spend time with them. Children are attention starved. That's why they act out at age 13. And it's not all boys. It's not all boys. There are boys who turn 13 and actually get the love that they want and have good, powerful relationships with their father. That sort of terrible situation where you're beaten to death, that does not need to happen in homes. You can still raise a, a beautiful child, boy or girl, and not have to beat them to do it. No, I don't buy that at all. I think that children act out. I think that parents should be um, connected to their children as, as much as I try every day to connect with all three of my kids <laughs> to try to like connect with them because they do things. They get in trouble. I get mad at them. I even 
raise my voice because <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? You know, but you know, I follow it up. I repair. I love them. I hug them. Even if they don't want no more hugs, I make sure that they're loving. And I think that's what we all need to do. And I don't think there's anything beautiful about being beaten to almost beaten to death. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing so let, beautiful so, in that. But go ahead, boys. So, so, okay. So let's get back to the Cat Williams thing. Now, Cat had some comments about Jonathan Majors and, and Constance Carter shared a clip on that on her Instagram. I am Constance Carter. Uh, so I'm going to share this clip and uh, also do us a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, if anybody has some uh, trauma that you're trying to work through or something like that, you can see Dr. Alicia is very passionate about what she does. That's what makes her one of the best in the industry as far as therapists go. Uh, feel free to go to coachingwithdralicia.com and you can take a look and see what she's doing uh, over there um, in, in terms of seeing clients. And also uh, you can text the word wellness to 89748 and Dr. Alicia can send you some, some free stuff uh, to kind of get you started. Uh, text wellness to 89748. If the text word does not work, you can go to the website coachingwithdralicia.com. So here is a clip where he's talking about Jonathan Majors, and I'd like to get your take on, on that. Here we go. Think about this cancel culture. You see the situation with Jonathan Majors. I mean, for all sense and purposes, I, I don't know if maybe he can bounce back in, in a couple of years, but man, he was he was hot. He was hot. As, he was cooking. I mean, you see him in Creed. He's in the Marvel movies, and then just like that. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theory, but I thought Cal Williams said any time they make you into that position, part of that contract is you do understand whenever we want to take you down, we can, right? Part of giving you the world. First of all, they went around the world for two years straight telling any women that would listen that this was a good looking Negro. Mm hmm. Since when? When did y'all start liking a big nose? And when did y'all like a little head and a big jaw? When? Since when? That look like my daddy. When you start liking my daddy? You like black people's features like that? If this ugly nigga is good looking, then all niggas is good looking. Anytime you see them telling you something you can't believe, just understand it's a play. And it don't matter. You're going to know it's a play as soon as they get in that position and think they's going to tell somebody something. No, you're not. No, you're not. Marvel will cancel you so f you won't be allowed to read a comic book. <laughs> what is you talking about? Ah, get out of here. Get out of here, ugly boy. Uh, yeah, they love fooling the people. <laughs> Woo! So Jonathan Majors. Oh, wow. I know you got a lot to say about that. Oh, my goodness. That is really fascinating. What do you think about Jonathan Majors, though? That's that's really what I want to know. What you think about the Jonathan, his comment on Jonathan Majors? Because we talked I, I, about I, it. I think, the, I think Kat is telling a lot of truths here. Um, yes. Now, again, I I don't think that we should get to the point where Kat's words, his words, are beyond scrutiny. Though I I I would like to hear from everybody, right? Like I I really wish if they really want to have a comedy special that would get ten million views. Get all those comedians, including Cat, together in a room and let them all talk with everybody in the same room. I, I would love to see that, almost like a, a, a comic debate. Um, that, to me, would be an opportunity to, to really talk about, um, you know, to, to, to really sort of hear everything. Because I, I don't think that just because Cat sounds good saying it doesn't mean his truth is the only truth, right? I think that's very important. However, I, I'm appreciating his truth. Because I don't doubt anything that he's saying about Jonathan Majors. I think 
that yeah they they hollywood we know hollywood is a system created by certain people uh to benefit certain other people and they they're not going to let other people they're not like the black community where we'll let anybody come in our neighborhood and make money anybody can come in our community and 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 get ahead and 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 any, you can have people you have people come from outside the black community that have more businesses and more power in that community than the black people who've been there for the last 100 years that's crazy detroit should be furious that that 90 something percent of the businesses in Detroit are owned by people who are not black. That's insanity. People in Hollywood don't do that. You know, the, the, the Zionists, they're not going to allow you to come in and control their stuff. So with Jonathan Majors, I think that what he said is entirely plausible. I do think this was a takedown. I don't think yeah. I think they, they, there are things they've known about Jonathan for a long time. Uh, I, I think that the, the situation was very questionable, but it doesn't matter what I think or what we think. Uh, what matters is what the people with the power and the money think. And by the way, babe, I got your text. You were telling me I got to take the baby to the dentist today. Yeah, I'm sorry. I hate to break up this great conversation, but I'm a little distracted. I, I, I don't have to leave until 1230, though, so we can keep on, no, keep on talking. Right? 12, it, she got to be there by 1230, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, thank you for telling me. Okay, well, you know what, everybody? We're going <laughs> to well, go ahead and... Just, we got another five minutes or so. <laughs> let, let's do another five minutes. I'm going to let you... There's so many other things I wanted to hit on. I'm going to hit on these later. Because uh, I wanted to really talk about like this character, a pimp named Slickback. I thought that was one of the most brilliant <laughs> characters of all time. Uh, I, I also saw that there were responses from some of the other comedians like Ricky Smiley. Ricky Smiley is kind of taking what he, I guess he believes is the high road. You saw where he was sort of making fun of this idea that Ricky Smiley's played the same old black woman for 20 years. And 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 and, and really, I'm so true, and, though. <laughs> well, you know what I'm going to tell you, you know, if you want my bias, um, I, I've always liked Cedric the Entertainer. I never had no issue with him. Steve Harvey and Ricky Smiley, uh, you, you do smell a little buffoonery with, with, with those guys, honestly. Uh, you know, just kind of like, okay, the reason you've been rewarded so much by this society is because you play the stereotype that that white folks want to see. However, however, here's another problem, though. This is a dilemma Cat Williams has to face is, yeah, Steve Harvey and Ricky Smiley are certainly stereotypes. Tyler Perry's a stereotype. Uh, but so is a pimp named Slickback, right? You know, like, so so, so really, to some extent, you got to be really careful when you are throwing rocks at, at you know, from a glass house because when I see a bunch of black comedians fighting, um, on one hand, I respect the intelligence of comedians, right? Uh, I, I can see how much work they put into it. It's a craft. It's it's amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful art form. But at the same time, it, it is also a little bit of a clown fight. It's a, and, and the reason I call it that is not because not out of disrespect for these men, but to say this, here's what I want you to understand, everybody. There are only three ways in America that black men can typically be successful at a high level. There's only three ways, typically. One is to be an athlete like a Shannon Sharp, catch footballs in front of a crowd full of white people. The other is to be a rapper like, say, Diddy. And, uh, and stand in front of a crowd full of white people holding your nuts, calling yourself the N-word. Or to be a comedian where you are standing in front of crowds full of white people and making them laugh. Yep. Uh, outside of that, there's not there's not a lot of room for the scholars and the lawyers and the doctors and the engineers and the scientists and the intelligent people that are doing amazing things out here. They kind of get ignored because... Because all a lot of the spotlight is going to the rappers and the athletes and the comedians. So so as much as Cat can certainly point to 
All these stereotypes, for sure. I mean, Lord, Martin Lawrence putting on the dress, Big Mama, all that. I get sick of that. Tyler Perry, he he, he has good critique of Tyler Perry. You and I have talked about this. Mm. You don't see people coming out of Tyler Perry's camp that are as successful as him. He doesn't have those people, right? Uh, it, everything tends to be a light shined on him. There's a lot of diva kind of happening there. Uh, but remember, though, you know, a lot. Uh, none of us are really free from this game you know like 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 cat could have been funny in a lot of ways but you know it's like oh but we think it's really funny when a black man plays a pimp you know and and, and here's the thing that black people have to acknowledge is that pimp culture in black exploitation films in the 1970s is the is the origin of the toxic culture that came from hip-hop in the 1990s when Snoop Dogg started saying, we don't love them hoes, they began to teach you how to disrespect your women, how to hate your own children, how to hate your own families like that. That comes out of the whole black exploitation pimp culture. Because my daddy told me, he said, in the 1970s, every young black man wanted to be a pimp named Slickback. They all wanted to be pimps. Why did they learn that? Well, they learned that from a lot from watching the movies. Some of it they saw on the street for sure, but then a lot of it they saw reinforced from the people in Hollywood that said, yeah, a black man playing a pimp, well, that's incredibly realistic. That's what we want to see. A black man playing a scientist or playing a doctor or lawyer like Bill Cosby did on the Cosby show. Oh no, that, that's not realistic. That black people don't live like that, right? Uh, you know, so so I really just kind of think that overall a more comprehensive conversation. What I like about Cat's discussion, this is my last point on this, is that it opened up a, a series of conversations that I think need to be had. I'm the kind of guy that wants to really hear the perspective from everybody because I think a lot of us have to kind of answer to uh, this culture. Here's the other thing too. Cat admits during the interview, he talks about how he, one thing he has in common with Shannon is that he's very competitive. He said, I'm competitive, yes. and he kept using sports analogies. Like, when you line up across the Dallas Cowboys, you da-da-da-da, right? So so Cat is competing, right? And what are they all competing for? Pay attention. What are they competing for? They're competing for, um, you know, what, what's what's the criteria for success? You know, how many people are laughing at you? How many uh, Netflix specials you got? You know, he ain't got a, he ain't had not one comedy special, and da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and, I'm, and I'm sorry, I, I don't, I'm not a black man that necessarily – sees uh, any path to liberation for black people that comes from us getting more comedy specials because white people are the ones who fund Netflix for the most part. We sure we all got our Netflix subscription, but when I look at Netflix's revenues in the, in the, in the tens of billions of dollars a year, most of that's coming from white folks who say, nigga, make me laugh. Negro. I oh he, that Negro is funnier than the other Negro that they had. And so, so we're going to give that Negro more money than this one. I kind of really want to see us kind of playing a different position as opposed to simply Fitting that same role of always being the white man's clown. You, it's hard to be the king when you're the clown. The best thing you could be is the king of comedy. And that's pretty much the most black men have aspired to to this point. And I don't think that's going to lead us to any any position of true empowerment. That's my two cents, you know, like it or not. Uh, babe, I'll let you finish up. Yeah, well, you know, that competitiveness, that ultra competitiveness where you attach your self-worth to how better you're doing than the next person, that's a trauma response. Mm, okay. That's a response because there's something in you that's driving you to want to be a workaholic. Remember, we I talked about that when I, I talked about um, get instances where you are nearly beaten to death as a child because that says, think about it this way. All of us know that parents inherently love their children. 
I mean, it's almost like a universal thing that your mom and your dad loves you. And if you grew up feeling unloved in a household, in your mind, you're thinking, well, a mom and a dad are supposed to love their children. And I never felt like my parents loved me the way I felt like I needed. So therefore, there must be something wrong with me. It's an unconscious response to um, abuse and neglect, right? So when you grow up, you think in order for me to be good, in order for me to be worthy or valuable, you know, I talked about high value people. There are no high value people. Everybody's valuable. But when you're given those messages and you have those experiences, you're thinking in order for me to be valuable, I must put my worth on external. How much money is in my checking account? That's what's going to tell me that I'm worthy. For a lot of men, that tells them that's how I know I'm worthy of love. I don't even want to start dating with it, dating anybody unless I know I have so much money in the bank. There are a lot of men who think that way. But if you talk to women, they don't really want that. You know, they want somebody they can spend time with, a companion, someone that they can share their life with, someone they can build together. But men feel that they're not worthy unless their checking account is a certain way, unless they're better than anybody else. And they want this sort of success in their life. And so the fact that Cat Williams and other people feel this way, I just look at it as a trauma response. I give it an understanding. You know, people doing the best they can and they're evolving. And if Cat Williams or any other man feels like they want to heal in that way so they can join with a partner and really have deep intimacy, they're going to have to come to terms with that um, history of abuse and neglect and know that they are worthy of love. And it don't matter how much money is in their bank account. I will love you anyway, boys. I don't care. You could be a multimillionaire or you could be a poor person because my love for you has nothing to do with how much money you make. Well, you know what? Um, speaking of love, uh, we both <laughs> love the baby and the baby just told me that it's time for me to take her to the dentist. Oh, so I'm, really? going, I'm going to go and, and, and do that. But I am going to say also publicly that I appreciate your your unconditional love very much. Uh, but I will admit I'm still a competitor. Like like I I I I understand Cat and um and Shannon and Ooh, I, did I step on your toes? Did I step you, on you, your you toes? Did not, you did not. You did not. You did not. You did not. There's just there's just some things maybe that men will understand that maybe women may not get as readily as we do, and it's okay though. We can learn from each other, and uh, and as you always say, <clears throat> we have to be in touch with the masculine and the feminine. And I never let go of my masculine. And uh, but at the same time, I have so much appreciation for your feminine because your feminine is just amazing. All right. So anyway, uh, have a, have a good day, everybody. God bless you. And we're going to come back. We're going to actually finish this discussion because there's so much more to unpack. I had yeah, like I'm, so looking forward, I'm looking forward to you having this conversation with some other people too, voice. I know. you. Yeah. Got. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to bring in Tierra KJ Williams, who's right out of Hollywood. She's going to have a perspective on it. And Madam president as well who worked at Tyler Perry Studios. And uh, I can't wait to hear what they have to say because I think this is, uh, again, shout out to Kat. He, he started a great community conversation. And I think it's better than the one that we had before. I think it's, it gives us an opportunity to kind of look at things from a different point of view. And and again, and let me just say this, uh, you know, I, I just really gained so much appreciation for his intelligence. Like you could tell 
He is. Uh, he says he's in Mensa. I, I just know smart people when I see them. Uh, you know, it does. I don't pay attention to how many degrees you have and all that because a lot of people have degrees and they don't know nothing. Uh, but Cat is a smart. He's a smart cat. And uh, and I really enjoyed the interview a lot. And so uh, there's much more to unpack. And I think that we can benefit by making this a community conversation because y'all know as well as we do. Give me a yes if you agree. Hollywood has been screwing black people for a long time and somebody needs to bust that bubble open. Somebody needs to talk about it in an honest way. But I think also talking about it in a balanced way is important. So I think we can have this critical Cat Williams conversation without necessarily saying Steve Harvey and Cedric the Entertainer and Martin Lawrence and all these other guys are just worthless. I think that they're all talented in their own way. They survive in their own way. But ultimately, I want us to all thrive. So hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe up on the way out if you could, please. And uh, also, if you want to learn more about what Dr. Alicia does, um, she sees clients on an individual and a collective basis, families, uh, couples, etc. Go to coachingwithdralicia.com. Also, uh, those of you that want to join us for our daily morning financial consciousness training that I'm doing right now, we've been meeting every single morning at 10 a.m. Uh, uh, you can feel free to go to drboyceelevate.com to see what we're doing. Uh, it's so far so good. Everyone seems to really love it, and I think you're going to love it too. So feel free to go to drboyceelevate.com if you'd like to join us for that. So hit that thumbs up button, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Have a good night. Talk to you later. Peace.